I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who like to take big pieces of wood and make them smaller. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. What's happening, everybody? It's episode number 546, and on today's show, we're talking about expired wood, barn inspiration, and personal res- responsibility in the maker community. I choke on that word. I don't, I wonder why. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before March 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And if you want to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. Do we ASMR read? This week, we like to thank Greg Snow, Eric Jenkins, Dennis Fontaine Jr., Matt Neglich. Oh man! Just when you're you're like lulled into a sense of security, Boom. you're listening close, and then Matt puts you right in the, the earballs. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No relaxing for you. <laughs> All right, so Shannon, you want to talk about this Rockler gift card winner? Since you're the one who instigated this whole thing, yeah, sure. We had um, the the one and only Kelly Lally from that was the October winner of last year, who decided to send us a voicemail, and I I'm not playing it. Sorry. Because um, basically he said he bought some Bessie clamps. He went over to the Schaumburg, Illinois Rockler store and nice. spent $250 on parallel clamps. I think he got some. So he bought yeah, two. a couple of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Pair of them. He got some 50 inches all the way down to some 24 inches to hang on a shop wall. And uh, yeah, that is one happy woodworker right there. So thanks, Kelly, for uh, letting us know that it's not a big scam. <laughs> yeah, it's really. It's real money. It's a scam. You get that gift card and they actually do honor it at checkout. That's what Rockler's all about, honoring their gift cards at checkout. That's it's, right. It's one of their they core values right there. They do it and they do it well. I think if you get like found money in woodworking, that's one of the best places to put it is to like expensive sets of clamps. Yeah. Right? Because sure. that's the one thing that hurts the most to pay for, I think. But only once because they they can reuse them. That's true. You can. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Funny it's a dining works. table episode today. And oh, no. That means we're going to be talking oh, about no. uh, <laughs> stuff that's tangentially related to woodworking. You know what? Some love it. Some hate it. I'll be honest. Some people hate this. Man, I'm sorry. I like it. But this is what we like to do. But we like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one, I think, is actually pretty good because it involves all of us in a way, whether you are a content creator or not. Uh, this is a question from Thomas. He says, for some time... I've had uh, I've had this thought and would like to hear your opinion about this. I think YouTubers and influencers should be aware of their potential impact and try to be pushing for positive change. Also, from an environmental point of view, there are so many videos and creators out there that I feel do not really live up to this. Disregarding the many blowing stuff up videos where I question that they did a thorough cleanup afterwards, <laughs> even in the maker community. 
there is quite a uh, room for improvement. And let's see some random examples. I'll let you decide if you want to mention them publicly. I mean, these people made videos. It is what it is. I don't think we're, we're not going to cash judgment on them in particular, but you're more than welcome to. Um, <laughs> we'll put these in the show notes. Idaho painter. And I don't know who either of these people are. Idaho painter washing his sprayer on the grass. Um, so there would be paint residue permanently in the soil. BM sculptures carving epoxy outside. Wonder where the dust flies. Even that whole epoxy trend in general probably has not a great footprint compared to regular wood. And so many channels use fancy exotic woods rather than promoting local woods that have not been transported that far and harvested sustainably. Sorry if that's a long rant. What do you guys think? Okay. This could be <laughs> like, this could be really complicated um, because yeah. a lot of times what we're talking about are people with an idea and a camera and a YouTube account, right? And they just start talking about their thing. And then one thing leads to another. And suddenly this person has a hundred thousand followers and they're still kind of just that per like there isn't a transition that happens, at least for me, a transition that happens in your head that says suddenly, Oh, I better take myself really seriously now. Like you still, if you go into it with that, like low key kind of, I'm just like an average person format. Um, it's really hard to shake that. And I still have that happen today. I sprayed something outside and I had at least three people, uh, take me to task for doing that. And it's like, well, you should have a spray booth if you're going to do that. Where's all that overspray going? And that's something, I mean, if I'm being honest, I've done that many times before, but now I'm at a commercial location and there's, you know, different responsibilities and expectations there. But I still, my mindset is like, dude, back off. I'm just a woodworker doing my thing, you know, <laughs> like, but in reality, once you have a certain number of followers, is there an automatically applied responsibility to do the right thing? I'm going to say that in quotes because I think we all may have different versions of what that actually means, um, but to maybe do the obvious right things. So is that something that should happen automatically? What's what's the threshold? And is it something that everybody has to do no matter what? Like it, it gets hairy. I mean, I think that's a really fine line. Like there's, there's a lot of people out there now saying, well, I'm just one person, you know, how big of a difference am I going to make? And to me, the right thing there is to stop thinking that way, you know, but it, whether you're an influencer or not, like one person may not be able to make the difference, but they might, you know, it's got to start somewhere. So I think like in your instance, Mark, I know that you've had a real emphasis in the last God, five, six years on low VOC finishes. Yeah, um, absolutely. So if you're spraying outside a more environmentally friendly finish, who cares? Right. I mean, if this was overspray, by the way, <laughs> it wasn't okay. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. But, this was you know, not, this was the exception to the last five or six years of finishes. I was doing someone a favor and yeah. I have no intention of installing a spray booth in this location, but I wanted this person to have that finish and outside was the only place that I could do it. So it, it does beg the question, you know, how could you have done that better? You know, not cheaply, um, you know, mm -hmm. in, involve building a spray booth or having a spray room with, you know, special filters mm -hmm. and things like that to capture that. And, you know, so it, it, that's, that's a very difficult thing to do. So the easier route is to go with a more environmentally friendly finish. Um, sure. but you know, not throwing you under the bus by any means, I understand those situations come up so that, you know, we, we have to be cautious. My point is we have to be cautious of saying, you know, I'm just a single woodworker, you know, you right. spraying that non-environmentally friendly finish that afternoon. No, it's probably not going to make a massive difference. The fact that you have a lot of followers, um, might make a massive difference, but that really shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter how many people are watching you, whether they're watching you or not. It, you should, we should be thinking these things in the long run anyway. Um, yeah. So you got to think that no matter who you are, if you put a piece of content out there, there's always a potential for that to find its way in front of a lot of eyeballs. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. you know, if, if you're putting the video out there and you go, well, you know what? I think I'm going to brush my hair just in case, you know, I'm putting this video out there. I don't know how many people, man, I'm going to brush my hair anyway, right? Like that's the kind of thing you might think. And then it's like, well, then maybe you need to also apply that to safety precautions or environmentally friendly, you know, uh, steps that you might take to, to make a more positive statement. Yeah. That's one of those things that I have to think about when we record wood talk now, like ah, now it's video. No, I got to start. Nobody, like, nobody, I got to get pretty anyway. and stuff. You know, can't just like, just can't just roll out of bed. Like we would do when yeah. we record early on Saturday morning. You know, it's right. Yeah, it's terrible. 
terrible. To me, Matt, do you give this stuff a lot of thought before you do something and film it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I guess I'll be honest with you. I don't really think a whole lot about this. I think, I mean, these obviously these are all good things to really think about, but it's not something that I have considered a whole lot because I, I think I, I tend to lean more towards the side of like just overall practicality. Like, yeah. especially in your case, I've done that plenty of times. I've sprayed stuff outside. That's like the perfect place to do it. Cause why, how would I want that in the shop or in the house? <laughs> right. Right. I feel right. like I get more comments if I sprayed inside yeah. than if I sprayed outside. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, the only thing I ever spray is a water-based finish or shellac. So mm-hmm. like, alcohol-based and all-natural shellac like how how is that a bad thing the overspray is a bad thing if i forget to pull my car out of the driveway <laughs> that's why it's a bad thing yeah, um, yeah you know what is what is a water-based finish really going to be doing um I'm, I'm i'm sure some chemists will pop in and say that can still be bad but um yeah i would i absolutely wouldn't spray inside um right. but also matt i think like i'm trying to think of a time when you've actually done something well let's use the wood thing for example like you're on the other end of that spectrum like everything you do is locally sourced you've saw it yourself yeah so I, 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 can't, I don't do that intentionally like i didn't like no start, I didn't start out with like the social mission of like i gotta stop imports <laughs> and all of the fossil fuels that are burned to get that wood to me from across the world i, sure. I it was a practical oh this is cheaper i'm frugal and i have access to all these things here locally <laughs> Why not just it's use available? these things and <laughs> nice way of cut the wood it. however I want to cut the wood. I don't like that's that's how I went about it. Yeah. I don't want to. I understand that there are like these there there are these environmentally positive impacts of the things I'm doing with wood. I didn't sell to do that intentionally. Is mm-hmm. and I don't. I would never sell myself as someone who had done that because it's that's it just it's yeah. a happy accident. If if anything on that level right. of it, but yes, I guess I I help out by. Not transporting wood very far. You don't get those points. Man. I know. Sorry. I don't. I don't need them. Decline. I'm fine. <laughs> Denied. Yeah, the fa- the yeah, fact I that mean, you that's... move your patio furniture with a tile handler means that that compromises. There's your offset right Exactly. There. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what I, I can do other stuff like that. I'm like, Plenty no. of fossil fuels being burned at the Cremona <laughs> Ranch. It's happening. All that diesel. Well, boy. I think like this, this first came to my attention a long time ago with respect to safety. And it was something that I may have been like, you know, there's, there's cuts. There are cuts that like, I feel comfortable doing this. I know it's going to go fine. I've done it enough times, but now I'm showing other people. And while I can say, Hey, I've done this a lot. I have experience. I'm going to make the cut this way. The fact that you're doing it gives a newer woodworker the okay to also try it because eventually they want to be, you know, good enough to also be able to make that cut. So they have to start somewhere. They got to start by trying it. Uh, and then I, you know, would have someone take me to task for that. And I might provide resistance initially and just be like, dude, back off, you know, like I'm just trying to make a video and trying to teach here. But then over time I started to realize, you know what? It sucks. It sucks because I didn't set out to be, you know, that type of person that like, I want to be the safety police Mm -hmm. here. I just wanted to do good woodworking. But then you do realize that whether you like it or not, you have put yourself in a position where you are responsible for influencing what people do. And if you're so inclined and you want to influence positive change, let's say the environmental stuff, that's kind of the icing on the cake, but you do have that power and influence. So I don't know that I would like these two examples we have here that I'd necessarily knock these guys for doing what they do, but I also think there's probably room for a lot of us to grow in how we approach these things and and what we include in our videos. Um, just because we, we, we have an audience, whether we like it or not, that audience is there watching. I think the safety side is something I actually pay attention to versus like yes, this environmental exactly stuff. I like go. I have honestly, I haven't really thought about a whole lot of environmental stuff, but the safety stuff is something that I've actually thought about because I think there's a lot more people that are like big on to safety than versus the people that are big on to environmental impact of things. I'll hear from more yeah. people if I do mm-hmm. something unsafe. That if I do something that's potentially it's the more, environmentally dangerous. It's like the more clear and present danger <laughs> in what you're doing. And like the environmentally stuff is like a secondary, you know, effect that a lot of people aren't thinking about. I mean, generally speaking, we have a problem <laughs> on the on the planet that needs to be addressed. I totally feel for that. But all but I guess maybe it's a little bit selfish that sometimes I go, 
yeah, but my sister-in-law needs this table <laughs> and she needs that finish to be on that table and I'd like her to be happy. You know what I mean? Which is probably not a very mature way to look at it. I think it would be interesting, you know, kind of like when, when YouTube and various other platforms first came out and said, okay, if this is an ad, you have to disclose that it's an ad. You know, mm -hmm. this was years ago now, and now it's become just kind of ubiquitous. You see the ad text or somebody, you know, says, okay, this was a sponsored post or whatever. I think it would be interesting to see a shift speaking on the environmental side of things, um, where what's difficult there is there's so much gray area and there's so much misinformation that it'd be very difficult as you're at your typical content creator, or typical woodworker to actually know what is true, what is real. Right. You know, and and I will lean into the third point uh, about um, using fancy exotic woods. Um, Thomas, who wrote this, says, you know, rather than promoting local woods that have not been transported that far and harvested sustainably. I think you're making a lot of assumptions there. Just because it's an exotic wood does not mean that it was harvested unsustainably. In fact, right. if it's, it's made true. it into North America, the chances are that it was harvested sustainably because there is a hell of a lot of regulation that makes it very difficult to get a wood without a chain of custody into the country. Um, so, but, but I think that is a, that's, I know this because I work in the industry. I do this podcast about that. You should know that by listening to it, but the, the <laughs> general populace doesn't necessarily know these things. And there is a stigma attached to, um, exotic woods. And we're starting to see a stigma attached to epoxy as being an unenvironmentally friendly wood. What would be interesting is to see people who have actually maybe said, okay, now I'm going to do this. Let's make a disclaimer or let's do a little bit of research and say, okay, I looked at these. Obviously this means more work on the influencer, but again, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Let's quote Stan Lee here. This is, this is one of those <laughs> things where if you, if you want to avoid people saying, look, you're doing something, you know, environmentally responsible, I think a little bit of research, just like we were saying, you know, you're forced into using a, a finish that may not be the best option. And you may say, look, I don't have an option, but here's an option that might, you know, here's a way that I could mitigate the, mm -hmm. the hazards here. Or there is another alternative to this epoxy that I'm using. Um, I wasn't able to get it, you know? And that's the thing that comes down to the uh, exotic woods is, you know, let's rather than promoting local woods that have been um, transported real far, there's a lot of woodworkers I know out there who do not have a lumber yard less than three hours away, you know, so they use that lumber yard and they get what they can get. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have a, a bandsaw mill. They don't work at a lumber yard with 8 million board feet. You know, th their options are pretty limited. So don't think that going to your Home Depot and buying wood from there is wood that was not transported from a long way away, folks. <laughs> right. That wood has come from a very long way away. Um, and it looks it. it looks yeah, it. exactly. So, you know, <laughs> there, there sometimes isn't another option. In a perfect world, we would all be able to, you know, harvest our own wood and, I mean, and, and, and be, be Matt Cremona's of the world, oh, you know? So are you, even a wood, um, are you even a woodworker if you don't saw your own lumber? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Now I always thought you had to cut your own mortise and tenons. If you didn't, then you weren't a woodworker. That was right. Episode one hundred something. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I I think if we can start thinking, and I realize by saying this, this is this is an extra step. This is extra work for people that are doing this. But I think it would be it might be beneficial to start thinking in terms of, you know, I recognize that this could be done better, or here is an alternative. You know, if you can get that alternative, like if you can find a better environmentally responsible epoxy and you can get it, then make an effort to use it. You know, if you're using an exotic wood, then take some time to figure out where that exotic wood came from and why are you using it? You know, I mean, there sometimes from a design perspective, that's the best way to go about it. Um, could you have found a better, more environmentally responsible wood? I don't know. Um, I can tell you from speaking with inside the industry that you know, a lot of the exotics are harvested incredibly sustainably. And a lot of the exotics that are, you know, listed on CITES and things like that are not even close to endangered. You know, they're politics and everything. So be careful of assumptions that you make. And I think the more we as creators or woodworkers can do a little bit of research and you might not find, you might find that what I'm doing is actually quite environmentally responsible, you know, or the parts per million of cancerous stuff in the epoxy that I'm using is actually already controlled because there already are regulations called TOSCA or CARB2 that limit those types of things anyway at the original manufacturer level. 
So yeah. I am really cautious to immediately start pointing fingers and saying that's bad because in order for that product to be on the market, there's a lot of regulation already in place. And you might be surprised how environmentally friendly that unfriendly product in your hand actually is. So be cautious of the assumptions that you make. I recognizing I work with the lumber industry and I'm getting all excited about this. Um, mm -hmm. But just when I've dug into it a little bit more, I've realized that some of this stuff has already happened. You know, the Toxic Substance yeah. Control Act or TSCA Title VI has been in place for three years. And the California Air Resources Board two and one have been in place for 10 years. These control the emissions and the toxic substances in the products that we use from finishes to wood to plywood to flooring. It's been around a long time. And if there's a product on the market, it probably already had to adhere to that. And there's a bunch of other things that I'm not familiar with, other regulations and acts that do make it environmentally friendly. So, yeah. you know, it goes both ways, folks. You know, <laughs> um, be sure that you're doing environmentally responsible, but don't be so quick to point a finger and say what you're doing is environmentally unresponsible. And it's, it's tricky too, because you're saying people should maybe take that next step of doing that little bit of extra research. And I'm like, yeah, you, you know what? People don't even do like, they're not even good at disclosing advertising, right? Fair like enough, they yes, can't yeah. even do that. Yeah. And you expect them to do something that's good for the environment <laughs> by doing well, more research. Like, and, and moreover, I don't know that that's going to happen. That, say, say you're a YouTuber and you do that. And then you're looking at your analytics and you're saying, oh, this is when everybody's tuning out. Like, so yeah. now I'm going to cut, I mean, let's play the game. You know, YouTube Nobody is, wants to is hear business. It. Nobody wants to hear you saying I'm being environmentally, oh, look at this blowhard, you know, unsubscribe or stop watching. Yeah. And you see, I mean, YouTube gives us, if you're not a, you know, if you're not familiar with the back end of things, it shows you very clearly where the drop off was in there. And you can see exactly when people stop watching and more than likely that's what you're going to see. So what are you going to do next time? You're not going to do it. You know, you're not going to talk about that. Let me ask you guys this question, because I've been kind of thinking about this. I do have the video content of me making a table and receiving that finish. It was finished outside. It was two coats and the entire thing was outside. So in the video, I now have a choice to make and I do plan to address it. It's just the question of like, should I show it at all? Because if I don't show it, then I'm going through this whole build and there won't be an ending with mm. regard to seeing it's like, I'm going to apply this finish. The finish is applied, you know, like it's going to just drop off, but kind I have the footage part of the story. It's a real <laughs> important part. So I'm yeah. kind of torn on, do I want to post this? And with the caveat being, Hey, look, I've given this a lot of thought since then. And if I had a chance to do this again, I might do things differently because it's not good to do what I did, but show it. But thereby even showing it at all is still in a way telling people, here's one way that you could do this. If you don't give a crap, you could just do it this way. But I'm I'm torn because the video kind of falls apart if I don't have that included in it. See, I think and this is this is me, my personal opinion at this point. I honestly don't know what the alternative would be other than choosing a, a you know more environmentally finish, yeah, friendly completely finish. different finish. Telling my so, sister-in-law she cannot have the, the finish she, that I know she wants. So what I would, what I would like to see, I, I say, leave it in, but if you were to put like, you know, voiceover or whatever there and, and you were able to determine like, this would be a better way to do this. Like, what are the pros out there saying? You need a spray booth, right? I guess. Yeah. What does that mean for me? I would, I would like that as an opportunity to educate. Cause I honestly don't know like how, if I'm forced to using this finish and of course I'm not going to spray a nasty finish indoors. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to spray it outdoors. And I guarantee you a large part of the people are like me. They don't even know what you're doing is wrong. They know it is, oh, he went outside. That's smart. Like, yeah. you know, that way he doesn't blow himself up or, you know, breathe in these nasty fumes. <laughs> right. You're wearing a respirator. So, okay, he's doing the right thing. I, I, I would not have looked at that and said, that's a bad thing. I would have looked at it and said, he's doing the right thing. And then you look yeah. a little closer and go, okay, well, yeah, he's spraying, you know, a there nasty a finish. a bit of a problem. Into the air. So here's yeah. an opportunity. Yes, folks, I know I'm doing this wrong way I should do this is constructive. If you have, yeah. if you have a solution, I would take that opportunity to say it. Um, and then, you know, the caveat, obviously I didn't do this. This is, you know, I was time crunched. I probably should have done it. You, you can admit to the fact that I know that I was doing something wrong. Here's what right. I should have done. Cause then at least you're educating and people now may think twice because yeah. idiots like me are thinking, Hey, he's spraying outside. Good job, man. <laughs> way to, way go, to go, Mark. Mark. Nicely you know? done. Yeah. Well, and I, the thing is, when I think about spray booths too, and this this is a lack of knowledge on my part. I mean, I've worked in a place with a spray booth once, um, 
and I, I don't know too much about it. But aren't they generally mostly just capturing the liquid particulate and overspray and that yeah. it's really exhausting the VOCs into the environment anyway? Yeah, I mean, like I have one of the Rockler finishing tents, um, link included in the show notes. Uh-huh. Um, is that does that count? Like I that's bought that point. mainly it's containing to your overspray. Right. That's about it. Right. I bought it to like keep it in the shade so it doesn't cure too fast in the sun and to keep wind down, you know, um, yeah. that was the whole reason I bought it. But I guess technically the overspray is sticking to the walls of that tent. So is that, but, is that I mean, all we're it's concerned still about is the overspray or we're concerned about the VOCs? Right. Well, I mean, it's still I, I, off-gassing. I would, I would what should I be concerned so, about? Who, <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. know. Well, here's another thing. concerned about. <laughs> Some of this comes down to the fact that I have a commercial location and I'm at, it's a bit of a liability for me to even put this out in public because that probably is not to code locally and that there are rules and regulations for how I apply finishes, which is why I don't apply those finishes. But there's probably a rule that states, regardless of what's better or worse for the environment, there's probably a rule that says what I need to do to contain that stuff. And whether it's just as bad because the VOCs still fly out a vent as opposed to just going you know, mm. out of the gun and into the air. Uh, I, I don't almost think there's a part of that that doesn't even matter because there's rules that I should have been sure. following. But like when it comes down to it, I'm not really sure. The place in Arizona I used to work, it just had filters that caught yeah, the overspray. That's all I was seeing. Just but like, it was, they're not running the air through the carbon filters. Yeah, before it's they just going it, straight just out the roof pull the, and the VOCs yeah. are going out there anyway. Before it goes out the tube. Yeah. Huh. But so that's all a way of saying, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know for sure. Right. So again, it goes back to the the opportunity to educate. We don't know. Maybe that's what we need more of. Like yeah. the people who are chiming up in the comments or whatever and saying that, you know, is environmentally responsible. I throw it back to you. Like educate us dumb woodworkers because um, we don't yeah. know. Um, well, and ultimately that's why for me it's easier because I don't want to do the spray booth thing. I don't necessarily want to be liable for everything that goes along with that. So we're trying to do all natural, no VOC hand applied finishes, because guess what? Doesn't create any problems for me at all. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, it's, you know, generally going to be safe. All right. Well, that's interesting. Well, just, that was a good yeah, conversation. I learned a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know anything about. It's perfect. And that you're awful for the environment. You learned that as I well. I sprayed a no, trailer outside. That's With the conversion paint. Yeah. Do you remember we talked about that with him out there yeah. getting red paint <laughs> all over him? That's right. Good times. Matt, Matt don't get I'm apparently not. I was almost shit. I'm like, God, I'm smart. I'm doing this outside. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, it must I'm be good. I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, here. I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Or like I used to do a, when I used to spray lacquer, I would just like do it in front of the garage door. Overspray goes out the door and then you close the door and the right. project dries inside. Yeah. <laughs> With a fan behind you. So it really blows yes. out the garage door. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, <laughs> You're being smart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Matt just don't give a crap. I'm just yeah. more confused now than ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just keep doing well, what you're doing until yeah. the trolls come find you. And oh, just, they're coming. Apparently they're coming for me. They have some questions way. like, what do I do here? They hear help the steps. Me, help me here. Yeah. Let me know. Actually be insightful. Oh, Whether than just judge, don't be just judgmental. Be actually like helpful. Yeah, nice. I guess that's the thing, right? Like is um, it, when you really look at Thomas's email, it's almost just like a do better. But it's <laughs> but there's so much there, it's so much more subtle. There's more work involved. It's more complex than just do better. I mean, this is a medium that allows anybody to publicly go and throw this information out there. So it's really hard to regulate this. Like I said, you can't even get people to disclose ads. Good luck getting them to research something they don't care about. And then convey mm. that to people like it's that's a, it's, it's going to be a challenge moving forward. Uh, but I do appreciate that. Uh, that email, Thomas, thank you for sending that in. I'm going to include CITES paperwork in all of my videos going forward and okay. chain of custody documents that show where all my wood came from. <laughs> good idea. Um, yeah. Just I, I think it would be a good educational point for people to see just how many documents and yeah. just to see how my subscriber numbers fall off. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> That'll be good. Guarantee you, it's going right. to be a downhill trend, not an uphill trend. Awesome. All right. Well, there's no tie-in here for Rockler, so I'm just going to start reading. You know who else's Rock- subscribers <laughs> are falling off? No. No, that'd be bad. No. 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 I was going to say, you know who else sells stuff that's bad for the environment? I'm like, no. <laughs> that's not going to work out. They um, sell spray booths. I bought one. 
the, the picture on the box is some lady spraying outside. Exactly. Right. That's right. <laughs> right. I don't know. All right, let's just get into it. Rockler's <laughs> mini deluxe panel clamps bring you all the benefits of their popular larger deluxe panel clamps, but in a smaller package, optimized for scaled-down projects like cutting boards, small to medium-sized panel glue-ups, and assembling frame and panel doors. Since the clamps sandwich your panel, they force the panel flat oh. and the joints flush. Woohoo! We got a visual. Woo. The big box. Saving you loads of sanding time. That's the deluxe version. Oh, is that the, you have the mini deluxe? I can't see the whole video. No, it's the deluxe. Yeah, it's That's so the regular big, it deluxe. it doesn't fit in frame. No, there you go. That's awesome. Uh, so Just there's a... This is great. <laughs> this is all good. The audio people love this. Um, there's also no need to stagger your clamps <laughs> top. Right. There is still an audio show, guys. I forgot about that. <laughs> Settle down. That was the use of this video thing. I'm just going to do an ASMR thing of the squeaky box sound right up close to the microphone. There you go. That'll be good, squeak, too. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> Perfect. Um, there's also no need to stagger the clamps. I do that all the time. Uh, top and bottom. <laughs> you could use uh, them for panels from half inch to one and a half inch thick and up to 16 inches wide. You can find them at Rockler stores and at rockler.com. Now, we've actually been making a lot of scrap wood cutting boards with our scraps because it's, you know, something to do. Really environmentally friendly to do instead of burning them, right? To create a thing out of them. <laughs> Who wouldn't do that? That's just the smart thing to do because I'm responsible. You can and, also create uh, a steak with them, though. You know, cutting board you, or steak. You could. But even steak is not good for the environment. You know okay, what cattle chicken. is doing to this country? It's true. Number one causer of, of uh, deforestation on the planet. See? And all Not the farting lumber, that folks, those cows are cows. doing? <sighs> Telling you, man. What do they got? They got like 16 stomachs. They're farting constantly. It's a lot of methane. All right. So chicken. Going into the environment. Grilled chicken. A I nice do like halibut. watching. A I like watching halibut. people walk behind Matt. This is yes, it's pretty fun, you know. <laughs> all the, all the guest appearances. <laughs> See pancakes okay. walk by too. Yep. Good old pancake. Oh, I want some pancakes now. Mm, pancake. It's cool. Not let's just end the show here and go have some I don't wanna, breakfast don't food. Eat. Yeah, let's go to Waffle House or something. That'd be good. <laughs> See you in a bit. Uh, okay. So Rockler ad. Here's Rockler, the thing. ad. <clears throat> Rockler ad. Oh, we're still doing that? I oh. actually, Did back to the waffles? cutting boards, we are doing a lot of these cutting boards and kind of in his spare time. That's what Jason is doing. Just picking up the scraps, planing them down, getting them down to a consistent size. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Those would be awesome. Like when you have these little panel clamps, um, if you guys haven't seen these, by the way, they are the kind that not only are putting the pressure where you expect it from side to side, but you have the bars coming down and squeezing from the top and the bottom, um, which kind of completely negates the need for calls or any kind of, um, I don't know, maybe dowels or dominoes or anything to keep things level. It just kind of sandwiches it all as you clamp things together. So really, really great stuff. Check them out. And uh, if you don't want to make the little tiny ones, you got the the ones that Shannon just showed you, the big deluxe versions, the larger ones. I guess they're all called deluxe, but the bigger ones, the non mini ones. So hold on. Got a burp. Okay. I also, I also have a YouTube video to show you how to make your own shop version of them. If you're just too cheap to spend any money at all. What a jerk. Who would do that during an ad? What? I know. For a product. Why would you What's even do that with you? Because it's, I, I got to tick somebody off in every show. It's part of my contract. Ideally uh, not the sponsor. Well, the first time. Way to go, Shannon. <laughs> Ignore what he said. Don't go this make guy. them because they're going to work terribly. Guy. You got to go to Rockler to get the ones that actually work. That's, That's at Rockler stores and at Rockler.com. They certainly shed glue better than the wooden ones I made. I know they do. That's just one of the 10 reasons why you shouldn't build your own. And they're blue. My favorite color. <laughs> and they're blue. The blue. Blue helps. <laughs> All right, Shannon. Why don't you get that first question here? We actually only have two more questions for the rest of the show. Um, I will read this question as long as Matt can pronounce the name of the guy who wrote it. Mm. Pancake. Right there. Right here, Matt. <laughs> I see it. Okay. He's from Slovakia, if that helps. You pull oh, out your Vojto? pronunciation guide. Say that again. Vojto? Okay. I'm going to go with that. Matt's the official oh, you know, you pronunciator. Know? I'm going to say it's Vo Voto. I think the J is silent. Yeah, is we're going to go with that. Voto. Vojo. Okay. Vojto. Vojto. Maybe. No, that sounds what Portuguese. Do I know? <laughs> what are you doing? You're now from Portugal. I'm sorry to say you're from Portugal now. So How anyway, people says, are trying to offend in this show. What's what's one, wrong with the Portuguese? One per show. Why are one you insulting the Portuguese? <laughs> well, he's from Slovakia. I don't think it's insulting to be from Portugal, but to to <laughs> to move him from Slovakia to to 
Good Keep Lord. going, Janet. <laughs> Keep going. Off the rails. <laughs> Completely gone. Would you like a, a shovel for the other hand too, or is one okay? <laughs> no. no. One, of my, one of my favorite pro cyclists is from Slovakia, so there we go. I have great respect. Uh, all my best friends are Slovakians, okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two of them. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna move on now. We're gonna we're gonna get to his question. He says, uh, "Let's see. Can a piece of wood be spoiled besides the usual oh. rot or bugs? Can it have too much or too little moisture?" For context, I bought a three to four inch thick oak rough sawn board. It's been sitting outside in a large stack for many years. I picked a board from the middle of the stack since there was no tarp over them. At least it had sticks between to separate the layers. Besides some split ends, it looks okay. I used my scrub plane to remove the dry wood from top and it looks fine, but I did read a few comments on the internets in the sense that the wood is already done for. I'm mm. slowly working, way, working my way to the middle of the stack for my project and I just want to make sure my efforts are not in vain. So I, I've, I've heard this sentiment elsewhere too. Um, and no, I don't think wood has an expiration date by any means. Um, there are certainly a lot of things that can cause wood to rot um, a lot of variables in play. First and foremost, the species that you're talking about, he says oak. He doesn't say white oak or red oak or bog oak or whatever. Some of those species are going to be more weather resistant, resistant than others. Um, you know, it's untarped out there, so it could have a lot of moisture in it. But is moisture necessarily bad? Um, yes, it can actually rot a board from the inside out, but that process can take a very, very long time. That also will depend heavily on the species how dry it was, whether it was felled in the spring, whether it was felled in the, in the in the winter. There's so many different variables. But ultimately, a board that has been dried, um, even if it was kiln dried and you stick it outside, it's still going to absorb and shed moisture. And that's not a bad thing. Um, the bugs could be more of an issue. I think that's the, the more present danger is if there are actually like boreholes and little active sawdust piles that say there's, there's bugs in there. But... Um, I don't think your work will be in vain. I think it's important to just kind of keep an eye out as you're pulling these boards out. And if you're running into kind of soft and punky areas of the wood, then yes, there may be some more rot um, present. Does that mean you dish, you know, ditch the whole stash entirely? No, you probably can cut around those. Or if you don't care about the environment, stabilize it with epoxy, apparently. Um, <laughs> you want to be evil? <laughs> right. But Use I, I mean- yes. Heck, I mean, spalting oh, yeah. wood is actually the beginning of rot in a lot of woods, and that's sold for a higher price. So you might actually have more <laughs> valuable wood if it's got some rot in it. The The entire reclaimed wood market is is capitalizing on the fact that this wood is hundreds, three hundreds of years old, and it's either been sunken in a river or it was used in a, in a you know, water tank or a pickle tank or something like that. Um, wood will last a very, very long time to the point where if it lasts long enough with the right climate environment, it will turn into stone, i.e. the petrified forest. Where is that? In Arizona somewhere? Somewhere down there. I think so. So I, I don't think the wood is already done for. I don't really think there's such a thing. Now, I'm not going to deny that it can rot, certainly. But you you have stacked and stickered this. I would recommend, if you can, put a tarp over it or at least put a cover over it just to keep some of the major amounts of water off of it. But ultimately... Um, you won't really know until you start working it. And if it's working fine, then don't overcomplicate don't it. Work Keep working. It. Keep yeah. working it, baby. Keep Just working, working it, baby. Okay. <laughs> nice. I have nothing to add. What? Matt's, Matt's in a dance break right now, so. Yeah. He always has something to add. Mm, not today. I certainly can't take anything away, that's for sure. I'd like to add some food to my stomach. Mm, oh, that was Franks and quiet. beans, maybe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love some good Franks and beans. Yeah, this question is from Frank. Uh, this is this is directly directly to me, Matt. How are you? you? I'm good. <laughs> Thanks for asking. I'm also good. Thank you for asking. Long time listener to the podcast. First time sending a question. I think. <laughs> what? Anyways, I was just checking out your barn video, or at least the light, the latest summary, and I was wondering how much influence from other YouTubers you had in your planning and from whom. Uh, Frank goes on to ask about the cameras and equipment I use. We talked about that, I think, six episodes ago or something like that. Why we'll do you try keep to... getting those questions? Because I'm an amazing filmmaker. My cinematography is next level. <laughs> is that what it world. is? I, don't I watched know. a video and it was like it was a camera from 20 feet away and you and Donovan talking to each other. I'm like, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is riveting. 
He's got a style, how, Mark. He's how got a does very he do it? Style. <laughs> how, does, how does he do it? <laughs> I mean, it must be good. I haven't seen all the videos. Uh, you're obviously doing something right. But people seem to like those. I'm happy that people like them because they were a hell of a lot of work to make. So I'm, yeah, yeah, good. I'm happy with that. But okay. I wanted to read this last little bit because it's actually a question for Mark here. Ah, crap. Frank asks, <laughs> you know, when am I going to officially replace Mark as the Wood Whisperer? I know he needs to choose a replacement soon before the old age gets to him. Ask him about that time. I was supposed to visit him in Arizona's shop before the move, and he gave me the address of his mom's house instead. That is a fantastic way to dodge somebody. <laughs> I have to remember that. I give that. you an, an address. I just don't happen to be there right now. <laughs> I did do that. <laughs> it's great. Man, I don't like people coming to my house. That's it's what it is. Seven your mom's house. Hey, look, my mom's a tough chick. Um, you, you do anything wrong, she's going to mess you up. She could take care of herself. So <laughs> she had all the goods at the time. So sometimes if it was like a wood whisperer thing, she would get connected to someone. And I'm like, look, if you want to have people come to your house, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you want to do it, uh, then do your thing so yeah <laughs> that's why that happened but anyway sorry not to make it about me um i don't know it's matt's not that much younger and in woodworking years he's not, definitely not that much younger look at him looks like look an old him. man over there uh, just look at him i'm just getting <laughs> my first like, grays now you know i'm gonna look like that <laughs> yeah. in like a year wow. i don't know man you got more kids than i do i think you're on the accelerated aging path that's what i'm saying yeah, it's not going <laughs> to take but long. The, so. the fortunate thing is, is we've chosen a career path that it's not like, you know, pro sports where you have to retire in your 30s, you know. Right. Woodworkers retire much, much further. You've got a much longer career. So I think there's still time. I don't plan like on retiring. I mean, do either of you plan on retiring in, in the traditional sense of like what you're doing now? You just stop. When I retire, I get to do no, what else it. am I going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, seriously, what, if you wanted to do something else, like, I don't know. If yeah. you love what you do, you, the shop, the woodworking, like I always see that as um, it's just part of who I am. I think the storytelling about the woodworking will change over time and how much I do it, where I do it, um, and what I say when I do it will definitely change depending on how much I feel like I need to continue to make money from it. Right. But outside of that, I still continue, I plan to continually, as long as I'm physically able, get my butt out into the shop and I'm doing something. I can't imagine never doing that. Yeah, just think of all the the great content you can create to actually like assess the heirloom quality of your furniture when the furniture is <laughs> now 40 and 50 years old. Now you can revisit yeah. things and say, see, told you I built it right. Yeah, it's kind of funny if you pie. think about that, though. Like, how yeah, is that? Right. right. That was yes, a good one. <laughs> um, this is I mean, I guess it's being done now in 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 droves, like everybody's building stuff, documenting it, and then time progresses. Um, but it's a really unique situation, I think, to be able to say, like, in 2006, this thing was built. It was documented. <clears throat> that thing is still around 40 years later. And here's the condition it's in. Like, if Norm did that with, like, all his projects, like, let's go back and see what they look like today. I, I just think that's super cool. It's a cool, cool way to document it. Okay. All right. What was this question about? <laughs> did, did, did you answer anything? <laughs> it, was, it was for you. Why are we I talking about let, me? I just let you roll with it. It was that was good. You took us right back to the retirement discussion that we had like four, yeah. eight episodes ago, whenever that was. Right. It was, it was good. I think that was like two years ago. Matt, talk about your way. barn, man. Was two, was two Answer years Frank's ago? question. Uh, Probably. It was a while ago. I mean, it was definitely more than four or eight episodes ago. Yeah. Wow. Poor Frank can't get his question well, answered. You, yeah. yeah, we're. I'm, I'm trying to dodge him. You already dodged him. You know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I already did once. <laughs> so I, I picked this question. Well, besides the fact that you have to think about Mark, but, because uh, I don't think people quite understand like how little planning went into this building. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is this is not something that I have been thinking about for years. Like. For my own like dream shop and for a lot of other people's dream shops, it's something you, you think about and you like develop the idea and the concept over years and years and years of thinking and like looking at other people's buildings and other people's documentation of their build and what they did and what that person did over here. And can you do something different or what makes more sense for you? This was literally like a, well, crap, I guess we need a building now. Uh, <laughs> when can we start? 
that that's kind of how that went down. And there wasn't a whole lot of like, let me go on the internet and spend a few months or a few years trying to come up with the perfect solution for something I don't even know what's going to work or what's not going to work. So this was you didn't study RR buildings videos for a I'm year first. Ha- like I've been watching like Kyle and Greg put up stuff and do buildings, but like I didn't really understand the context of it. So I learned quite a lot in the process of building it to actually be able to understand what the hell mm-hmm. they're showing in their videos now, which is a good right. thing. But it's not like I was going online and like, oh, let me like find this perfect looking shop that I really want to build for myself. It was like, okay, I need a box with a roof on it. And Lindsay said it has to have two roof pitches and look like the other barn. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. That was it. Was literally a month, one month of planning of like looking, going out into yeah. the world and finding what kind of building kits we can get, what will actually work for lead right. times, and then ordering stuff. One month. I was going to say it's not about reinventing the wheel. Like you bought a kit, you know, right. and then you had Donovan there who you know knows what he's doing from a you know commercial construct not commercial but you know what i mean actual building perspective yeah, and a lot of a right. lot of that like he's a real woodworker he is actually <laughs> like yes. the rest of yes. us big big words yeah. uh a lot of the decision making process was like what kind of kit can we get in the amount of time that we need to actually get here so we can build this right. thing before the snow was everywhere <laughs> that was a lot of like that's all we really did was like okay can we find a gambrel barn kit from somebody anywhere and have it here like end of August, early September. So we have like a month, month and a half to get it put up before the weather goes to crap mid-October. That's literally right. it. It's, and that's basically it everywhere. Like the, <laughs> the, the conversations I have with my customers is, you know, they, they usually call with a, a particular species in mind. They usually have some sort of like, you know, cut list or linear foot list or square or whatever. And the conversation that usually starts is, when do you need it? That's the most important part. Like price is like way down the list. Like how much do you want to spend? Because more importantly is, when do you need it? Like, okay, well, if you need it that fast, I can't do it in that species. What I recommend is this species. And suddenly the original order changes all dependent upon like when you need Mm -hmm. it. Like how fast do you need to put it up? That's the number one thing, especially this day and age with supply chain still being an issue. Like Mark, when you put up your building in Arizona, how much time do you spend like, Thinking about the design. Probably not enough. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, most of my challenge, because in Arizona, in that neighborhood, to build the shop, it did a a barn wouldn't suffice. Right. It had to be built like a home with no internal dividing walls. So most of it was like, Let's just like try to afford this. First of all, mm-hmm. construct it so that the HOA is happy, get the setbacks correct. And then everything else was like, well, I didn't really have too many decisions to make outside of things like how many fans do I want? Where do I want the lights? Where do I want the outlets? Uh, and that's all stuff that I, you know, I kind of could figure out and sketch out on paper. And it was mostly just a lot, right? Like get more <laughs> than I think I'm going to need. But I was very non-committal with it because I was apprehensive about being too committal and making mistakes. So that was one of my challenges with that space was because I didn't make enough decisions ahead of time. Uh, I was open like in this one big open building and didn't do anything with it because I was kind of afraid to subdivide the space to actually utilize it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that might be a unique case, um, but I, you know, I'm pretty well known for not doing a whole lot of research for things before (laughs) jumping into it. Especially if it means watching YouTube videos. It's usually part of my best. brand to not know what I'm doing. <laughs> Jump in and whatever. Just kind of wing it and see what happens. <laughs> I, yeah. I think from the content creation perspective, like Matt just went Hollywood. He just threw a bunch of cameras at it and just said, let the editors figure it out. <laughs> yeah, figure unfortunately, it out. he was the editor. That was me. But, yeah. 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 You know, you're no different than Spielberg or Michael Bay or anything. You just throw <laughs> 20 cameras at it I mean, and get them all rolling. I don't have quite that many explosions, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe not Michael Bay, but. Yeah. Still, just throw a bunch of cameras at it and piece it together. I, I will say before I went into this mess, this firehouse thing, um, I did watch Johnny Brooks series on oh, yes, his yeah. building. Because uh-huh. there was just like it, it, old building. Okay, check. Got that. Uh, environmental hazards check got that and it was just like I he's had to do way way more to his space than I have to do here but it was something where I wanted to just kind of I guess orient my brain for the the renovation as opposed to the the building new process and the renovation process especially on an older building 
I just just wanted to see like things that I might confront as I was doing this. And I actually was enjoying uh, his series on that. But I would call that about the extent of my research <laughs> that I did for this. So, yeah, good stuff. All right. I think that's uh, probably going to do it for us. Uh, family owned since 1954. Rockler is your go to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WoodTalk one word to receive free shipping on most orders over forty nine dollars. And remember to head to rockler.com slash WoodTalk to enter for your chance to win a two hundred and fifty dollar gift card. Very nice. Woo. And I, I have just have to say, based on a lot of the comments we get lately about, boy, I wish they, is this still show about woodworking? We did talk about woodworking mm-hmm. yet again, a couple of times on this show. And, yeah. uh, you know, these dining table uh, episodes kind of can go a little off the rails, but I also must add that the topics have been submitted by you, the listeners. So, uh, yeah. Blame yourself. Actually, yes. If you don't like true. what we're talking about, go to woodtalkshow.com and submit what you want us to talk about, and we might right. consider it. That's how it works. We, we, yeah, don't, we, we don't, don't sit here and go like, <laughs> we don't have a team meeting about topics for this no. thing. We go and look at the email, pick an email, and we talk about it. Yeah, so there we go. We happen to have a couple of good woodworking questions this uh, this week and, and, well, last week. So we will talk about woodworking if you submit woodworking questions. We'll talk about content creation if you submit content creation questions. Oh, boy. Although that's kind of run its course now. So we're hoping maybe more woodworking. So the point is, <laughs> you guys decide what we talk about on the show by sending us topics at woodtalkshow.com or via email at woodtalkshow at gmail.com or over on Instagram at woodtalkshow. And as always... This is an audio podcast. It's also a YouTube channel. You might Yay. be watching us on YouTube right now, in which Look case, at me. I, Look at thanks me. for watching us on YouTube. Hit that like Ooh. button and subscribe. Todd, can you throw a little like ding into my teeth right there when I do that? Probably. <laughs> I can subscribe on screen. He will. You know? He'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. So again, thanks to Margaret who handles the social media. Thank you to Nick for dealing with all of our audio issues. And Todd, dude, <laughs> props. Tearing it up. For uh, putting together this mess and making it into a watchable show. So if you yeah. haven't watched it yet, go watch it now, right now. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you After for listening you listen to this whole thing already. Go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now it's that you're done. a whole new experience. <laughs> go watch the other thing. It's funny, too. I will tell you, they get edited differently. So Todd <laughs> is a little bit more particular than Nick is. And I haven't asked Nick to do any of this stuff, but Todd goes in, he removes pauses. So all those times where Matt is thinking that he's about to talk and it takes five seconds for it to go from making his brain to his better. lips. Thank it's you, making Todd. It's look better. Look at he, that. Cuts out, he cuts out the crap. And actually, the, the runtime ends up being shorter <laughs> than the audio. Oh boy. The <laughs> it's video quite is 15 funny. minutes shorter. Yeah. Yeah, just taking out the pauses. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and watching. And we'll <laughs> see you next time. Bye-bye. It's like a special edition, like cut of like just woodworking questions. No content creation questions at all in this whole episode. Yeah. No. No. Let's not do that. I'm doing versions. <laughs> no. 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.